welcome to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. This podcast by Kevin Paneskis, also known as the Property Soldier, covers all aspects of serviced accommodation and how to make it a profitable and sustainable business. Kevin started investing in property in 1991 whilst serving in the British Army and now owns a multi-million pound property portfolio and serviced accommodation business and is a best-selling author. And now your host, Kevin Paneskis. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Service Combination Property Podcast. And today I'm joined by Kevin Whelan of Wealth Builders. Kevin is an expert in all things property and uh, sharing his knowledge on how you can fund your property investing, potentially you getting access to funds that you didn't know were there. So I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. I'll let Kevin share the magic. And so, Kevin. Please introduce yourself and uh, you're going to share your presentation on using SaaS pensions for investing in furnished holiday let and serviced accommodation property. I'm really looking forward to this. Sure. Well, thank you for the invitation, Kevin. Um, So, you know, my name is Kevin Wheeler. I'm founder of a company called Wealth Builders and Wealth Builders kind of does what it says on the tin. And when um, the host allows me to share the screen, Um, I'll be able to share with you exactly what I want to show you today, which is going to teach you a few lessons on how to become completely financially irresistible to third-party investors, to private investors who would love to lend money to you if you could just learn a few secrets and hints and techniques, and also how you could do fantastic JVs with yourself so you can discover money that you didn't even realize was there. So if I can show you so many different ways to create access to your funds or access to funds, then would that be a good use of the time that we've got today? So that's what I want to do. So first of all, though, because we're in a unique place, aren't we, of combining a bit of a podcast with a bit of a presentation, I need a thumbs up from somebody just to tell me that the screen is live and you can see what I'm showing. That's perfect. So now you know who I am. I want to give you some basic principles. Like all good education, you start with foundations and principles. The first principle to lock in your mind as you begin or you go advanced on your property journey is that all money for the funding of property emanates and flows from people. So it's people who finance property. Think about it. If you're borrowing money from a bank, where do they get the money from? People. If you're borrowing money from a bridging company, where does that come from? People. If you're borrowing money from third-party investors, which will be a key subject of today, who are they? They are nothing more than people. So the skill of being more investable is the skill of working and empathizing with people. And there's a great quote that I love to give. And as an economist and as a teacher, I tend to use quotes a little bit if I can, is first seek to understand before being understood. But what I mean by that is it takes time to build relationships with people. And I don't always see that happening out there in the real world. I tend to see things which are very different. Imagine a scenario with me. 
we've got two heads talking. One is talking at 90 miles an hour. They've got they found a deal. They've got a fantastic deal. They don't know what they're going to do with it, but they think the ROC is going to be fantastic. Maybe they'll go for service accommodation. Maybe they'll go for some. I need the money next week. So they're talking at 90 miles an hour. And somebody else is listening at 30 miles an hour. I wonder if we can work out who's who. One is the developer. What I mean by that is somebody who's looking to raise money for a project. The other is an investor. And I think we know what's going on with the two talking heads talking at different speeds is the speaking a completely different language. And when you speak different languages to people, it looks like things are being understood, but in reality, the money doesn't exchange. The value doesn't exchange. And what happens is status quo. Now, both of these people, the developer, is fearing a sense of loss, the loss of the deal. And the investor is fearing the loss of their money. And this is the fundamental skill is to help investors understand more about how you keep them safe. So how am I going to keep you safe? How am I going to tell you a little more about this and why do I deserve that respect? Well, as founder of Wealth Builders and a funder of literally hundreds and hundreds of JVs, I'm going to lay claim to say that probably on this podcast and in this room, I've probably done more JVs than almost anybody else. And I've been representing investors now since 2008. So I speak to the hearts and minds of investors, and I'm going to share with you later the five key things you need to understand about investors that they don't tell you, but they really want. And you have to discover it for yourself because they don't even know they want it until you bring it to their attention. So hopefully you're going to discover some things that are really useful. Second principle. So the first one is get the right mindset and understand about dealing with people. The second one is begin with the end in mind. Work out what it is you're trying to achieve. So what is it you are trying to achieve? Is it 10,000 a month? Is it 20 rooms? Is it 50% occupation? Is it £100,000 worth of revenue? What is it? There's a number underpinning what it is you're on this property journey for. Once you discover that number, you'll be able to work out exactly what funding you need in order to achieve what you want to do. So here's a test. If you want to generate £10,000 a month and each property that you could buy in your serviced accommodation or whatever strategy you have was a thousand a month, say, just I'm using round numbers here, then what would be, and each property would cost you a hundred thousand pounds. So 10 properties for a hundred thousand, you would know intuitively you need a million pounds. So what is the amount of money you actually need to borrow to keep that journey going when you take into account the bank? So what are the top ups? What's the gap? So if you know how much money you need to leave in, what's the actual amount of money that you need to keep your journey going? And my experience is it's often less than you think if you deal with private investors and you build relationships because private investors will repeat and repeat and repeat. And as a result, you probably only need the skill to develop no more than two handfuls of investors in your lifetime you'd probably be able to manage what it is you want to do with 10 people 
in your life that you can learn to have them uh, trust you in a way that you build that trust so that you become so investable and you deliver on your promises that they cannot resist but to keep going and telling other people about it. So it's not too difficult to get started. So what comes first? Is it the chicken or the egg? In the flow of relationships and the flow of things that are in your life, is it the deal that comes first? Is it the funds that come first? Everybody has a different view of that. But in my experience, professionalizing your fundraising, spending as much time and skill to build knowledge in finding the right opportunities and finding the right funding to keep those opportunities going so that every opportunity that passes your criteria, if you could learn how to fund that, then there's no stopping your journey. And that's what I'm going to dive into right now. But for most people, they start their journey looking at themselves. So you don't need a relationship with many people when you look at yourself. You refinance your house, maybe. You cash in an ISA, maybe you had a redundancy check. You know, you looked inwards towards yourself. Yeah? I think most people will probably say they started there. Then when they ran out of money there, what did they do? They looked next to them. They looked at friends or family or brothers or sisters or long-standing friends, buddies, or colleagues, they looked close to them. So there was already a relationship that had been established. Then they discover they've run out of money and they're looking outwards in a world where they have to turn and face an audience and they get to a place in the spotlight, running out of money that I call NFL. Why NFL, I hear you ask? Well, it's not the American National Football League. It's definitely not NFL. What it means is no funds left, no friends left. And you're in a place where you want to carry on your journey. Your ambition is larger than the supply of money and you don't quite know what to do. And this is where we're going to work on finding solutions to problems. So in reality, an entrepreneur, which is what you are if you're in a property business, is you're a solution finder. Now, you'll know this in creative finding a property, uh, working, with, uh, working with the vendors themselves. There's all sorts of ways your creativity comes to bear. I'm going to try and help you understand the creativity you need to think through potentially if you want to access private investors and why there is a fundamental problem and you have the solution, but maybe you don't know it. So here's the issue. If you think about investors, and we'd be very simplistic at the beginning, and we think, well, where do people have money? They got money in the bank, getting 1% or less. So they're not happy. So investors are not happy. They've got money in their pension. Maybe it's in the stock market, it's going up and down and round and round, and they've got no control. And experience, from my perspective as an economist, and that's my training, by the way, is the long-term prognosis of money in the stock market is about 6%. By the time they paid their charges, fees charges, custodian charges, advisor charges, they're getting 4% net. So they're not happy there either. So nobody's happy with cash. Nobody's happy with pensions. So if you're doing something, service accommodation, 
or commercial to residential or part hotels, whatever figure you can come up in your mind that your capability shows you can achieve, I'm going to guess that you're, if you're like many of my developer partners, you're getting anywhere between maybe 10 to 30% on your money. Now, that's a reasonable expectation. Every deal is going to be different. We know that. But let's say, you know, you're getting 15% on your money or 20% on your money. If you can get 15 or 20 and the investors are getting between one and four, why is there not a queue of people knocking on your door, right? Why is there not a queue of people? And the reasons for this are a combination of things. One, a lack of awareness. Two, and fundamentally, number two, is a lack of trust. People have not learned to trust you, and maybe they don't even know there are many things that they could do. And as you think about where money is, I gave you a simplistic example of people with money with personal cash and in their pensions, but there's money everywhere. People have got money tied up in the bricks and mortar of their homes. They've got money in ISAs that they're not happy with because the market's all over the place. Um, they could have money in their businesses. All of these have got different demands. I mean, you couldn't just walk in to a networking room and ask someone to remortgage their house so you could go and finance another property. That's probably not going to work. So most people focus on cash. But I have a problem with cash, which is the cash is always competing for somebody else's life. You know, they've got a spouse or a partner. The money's needed for school fees. The money might be needed for their own activities. There's so many demands on cash. But there's one source of money, which is my niche. And I believe passionately about business that if you're going to have a really, really successful business, you need to be outstanding in a niche. And the niche that I'm going to share with you today is the niche of pensions. Now, now, don't hit snooze. I can see you being tempted already to go make a cup of tea or you're, or you're just going to get your iPhone out and go on Clubhouse. Stop it now. A little bit of knowledge is going to help you if you understand the language of people with pensions because the pot is huge. So big, I couldn't even count the numbers. It's trillions of pounds. You know, not billions, trillions. And the big problem is everybody's disconnected. Nobody likes their pension. Their relationship is they get a statement. They read it or don't read it. They wish it were better and they file it. But there is money there for them and there is money there for you. And there are two aspects to this that we specialize in to unlock the vault of money and pensions. So I need to take you on another part of the journey now. And usually when you go to a foreign country, you need a smattering of new language. If you're going to do service accommodation, you need to learn the language. If you're doing apart hotels, you need the language. There's language to learn in the language of pensions. And the language I teach and the language I share with you is the language called the Small Self-Administered Scheme, or SAS 
for short. And it's a huge vault and it can be opened for you either as an individual or you as in understanding what a SAS is and why it's important. And in my community, I serve the interests of over 4,000 SaaS people. The average investment they have is around 350,000. Multiply those numbers up, we're talking over a billion pounds of people already in my community. How many people did I say you needed to be financially independent? 10, right? So do you think if you could learn a niche, you could learn a little bit of a new language, come on a little bit of a journey with me. And if you can solve my problem, because I've already got all of these people, if you can solve my problem, I can help you get access to all the money you need. That's what I'm going to do now. Whenever a, a SaaS small self-administered scheme is a business in a pension. So instead of the pension being a reflection of the past, it's something you can use to use money for the future. And that gives you freedom to buy assets, to bridge to other assets, in other words, to lend and to borrow. So there are three fundamental strategies in SaaS, to buy, to bridge, and to borrow. I'm gonna give you some examples of how people have got control over their old pensions and they've shaped them to help them do property and also used other people's pensions to help them do more property as well. So here's an example. So here's a client of mine, it's called Mark, got a strong corporate background, 25 years in corporate life, took him 25 years to build a pension that he did not like. He's now, as a result of doubling that pension in as many months by investing in uh, commercial projects, has written two books on the subject and is now, uh, together with me, created a whole group of people uh, who you might want to be introduced to called the SAS Alliance, which is an alliance of property people and pensions people. So check that one out, SAS Alliance. Join the Facebook group, it's free. and uh, You can see what we're doing there. Now, here's an example of what he did. He used his pension to buy commercial offices in Hull, not, not necessarily service accommodation, this example, but I'll give you some examples of that. Could have been no. Converted it to residential, a grade two listed building, the SAS bought the three buildings, there's three, uh, like three big terraces, which were accountancy offices, uh, and uh, there was 18 apartments being created. And all of that was paid for, the whole building was paid for in cash using the pension. And the benefit was he has four pensions in one, himself, his business partner, and their two wives. So they put their SAS together, which is up to 11 people you can have there, so four of them in this case, and together they clubbed together, bought this building, got the planning permission, and then sold that building to their own SPV, made the 18 apartments and sold the apartments. So in other words, the pension bought the building and then their business finished the building and made the profit. So that you can see that in this case, they've used their own or a combination of four pensions to do something they could not have done 
had they left their pensions with their workplace. Another client of mine who's well known in the area of apart hotels, his name is Ian. Ian has done some outstanding work and I spent some time with Ian in Leeds area and he's converted using, again, his pension, a SAS that he set up with me to buy an absolutely gorgeous building. Um, it used to be the home of the Architectural Society of Yorkshire and he's converted into a beautiful apart hotel which is now generating quite a substantial revenue for him and for his business partner. And he's gone on to do many other things, including, because he speaks the SaaS language, borrowed other people's SaaSes for a very significant property also in Yorkshire, which is used in the tourist industry. So you can see pensions and property now starting to get closer together than perhaps you thought before. Here's another example. This is the bridge strategy now. Bridging is just using funding to bridge a gap between where somebody wants to be and where they are. So in this case, clients of mine, Chris, very cautious guy, uh, used to work for a bank, and now he says with a very dour accent, which I'll try and imitate, Kevin, I used to be a banker, you know, now I am a bank. So I'm using the money to help me get the best out of it for myself and my family. So he's now very pleased with what he's doing. So what did he do? He made a connection to this other guy called Christopher. Sorry, they're both called Chris, but there you have it. It's just fact. I could have changed it if it was a, a facsimile, but it's not. It's fact. Uh, and Chris P, uh, his forte was uh, HMOs. Now, Chris and Chris got together through my good office. I connected them together. And what happened there was Chris loaned substantial sum of money to Christopher. Now, think about the benefit. Chris and his wife got a decent return on their money with the first legal charge in this case. All of the rates are possible. Got a 12% return. But banked an incredible set of knowledge. Christopher used the money to help him continue his HMO journey, and he got a 30% return on his money. Now, let's imagine what would have happened if that loan, that bridge between them had not taken place. None of them would have made any progress in their wealth. But by making the connection, then these things happen. And this is entirely possible for you too, because you can either position yourself like Christopher and become well-known in this space, become familiar with this, and then build a relationship with me or with others so that you become the person to whom money is loaned. The next strategy is called the borrow strategy. This is where with a pension, SAS pension, you can lend up to 50% of the value of your pension to your own limited company. It's another client of mine, ex-corporate, called Louise. Louise bought or did a loan back, so she loaned a sum of money from her pension to her limited company. She did a loan back to a service accommodation business. And she used that money to buy a very nice property in, uh, near Scarborough, um, and near Pickering in North Yorkshire, uh, rather. And uh, now that's generating, or will be, because just completed actually as we speak, uh, £12,000 
a year into her wealth life. So let's imagine this. Louise is not retirement age, but she's used the money to lend to a business to generate £12,000 a year, which is going to her. It's not going to a pension. So that's how the loan back works. You lend money to your company, your company uses the money, and then you've got to pay some money back. Now, she's been so impressed. Second, one of my clients who was so impressed with their outcomes, they wrote a book. It's unbelievable. It doesn't happen in any other industry I know, but she's written a book called The SaaS Superstars. 10 case studies of different people who've done different things. So how does that work? Well, essentially, if you imagine a circle where your SaaS lends up to 50% of the fund value, so if your SaaS is worth 400,000, for example, you lend 200 to your company and your company then can use that money for what it wants the repayments go back to the SaaS in interest and capital over a five-year period. And the interest rate, by the way, is set by you because you are the trustee. Now, the government just says there's a low rate, which you can't go below, which is one over base. One over base is 1.1. Where can you borrow money where you underwrite it for yourself, you can have a conversation with yourself and say, hi, Kevin, I think I want to borrow some money for this project. Okay, Kevin, what would you like to borrow? Well, Kevin, what I'd like to borrow is 50% of my pension. How much interest would you like to pay, Kevin? Well, I'd like to pay myself 1.1%, please. Is that okay? Yes, I think we can agree that. Let's do that then. And then you lend that money to your company. Your company uses the money and you make the payments of 1.1 per annum two back to your pension, plus, of course, you repay the capital. So this is what's possible when you understand the language of SaaS. So this is either useful for you if you've got some old forgotten or frozen pensions somewhere in your old history, which you can bring to the table, and you don't even need to create a relationship with anybody else. You could do it for yourself. Or you could learn a little about this and become part of the educational process and awareness and teach other people that it's possible to turn their pension into money they can work with you and collaborate with you on property with you instead of leaving their money on the stock market. Okay. I think my evangelical story of SASs can complete itself there, but not all SASs are the same, by the way. So just make sure if you're exploring that, you talk to somebody who knows what they're doing um, and you understand that um, a bit like all courses are not the same and all vehicles are not the same. So you just need to understand what you're doing, but that's fine. Um, okay, let's talk then not about what you can do as a potential SaaS owner, but what you could do as a potential borrower. So you become the, you become the person who receives inward investment. Now, why would someone with a pension be interested in lending money to you or what's important about that well first thing let's imagine most people think of their pension as a box which says do not disturb till 65 okay you meet somebody at 40 they're not thinking about this money competing with their cash are they 
because they can't use it to fix the fridge. They can't use it to for the school fees or when COVID ends and they can use the money for a holiday again. They can't use their pension to do that. So it doesn't compete with cash. The fact that you speak the language means you've created for yourself a niche that almost every developer, remember, just somebody wants to raise money for a project, every developer does not speak this language. 99% of the developer population, if you put them in a room, be an interesting room, they'd all be talking like a million miles an hour. However, you imagine that room, only 1% would have heard of SAS, and only one of the 1% or a fraction of that 1% would be able to tell you how it works, only because they probably got one. Anyway, going back to our story, money and pensions is already at risk. It's in the stock market. They know there's a risk. They see the volatility. And the volatility, for the most part, is uncomfortable. You're investing in property, less volatile, more secure, has an income attached to it, where a stock market just goes up or it goes down or it stays the same. There's very often no income flow at all. So you've got all of those things on your side. Now, remember I said, if you meet somebody who's 40 and you do what you say you're going to do and you learn some of these lessons of empathy and about solving the problems of investors, and I'll show you more of that in a moment, how long could you repeat and repeat that relationship? Well, if they don't touch their money till they're 55 and you meet them at 40, you could be doing 15 years of relationship. And the story I told you earlier on of Chris and Chris, nine loans later, nine loans. That's the power of great relationships with more knowledge. Now they like each other so much, they're doing joint ventures and commercial to resi conversions, but that's just the way relationships work. I'm now going to share with you the five ROIs. You've heard of ROI, I know, but you think ROI means return on investment. And I expect that's what most people believe. But there are five that once you discover them, you'll realize these are the five ROIs that all investors want but they don't realize they want. Let's talk about what they are. If you imagine then, but um, different ways of articulating the word ROI, I'm gonna give you five of them in order of importance. And they're not in the order of importance you think. The first ROI an investor wants is return of their investment. Remember our story of the 90, 90, 30 miles an hour conversation we had at the beginning of my talk with you today. Part of the problem is the sense of loss. The investor wants to be sure that their money is not going to go down a black hole. So how you do that, I'll share with you in a moment, but it's how do you keep yourself safe? You just articulate that so boldly that shows them how you keep them safe as well. The second ROI is return on intellect. Whose intellect needs that return? Well, it isn't yours because you're already doing what you're doing. But again, back to our lesson with Chris and Chris, the lesson was passed on from the HMO expert to 
the SAS lender. So in other words, the novice got the lesson from the expert. So I'm going to assume that you have more expertise than anybody who lends to you. So you, if you can, is share and show them what you do so they begin to get a sense of connection to that knowledge. Because when their money's in the stock market and they just get a statement, they are not smarter as a result of receiving the statement a year after they opened the first one. And when they open it next year, they're no smarter. And when they open it the year after that, they're no smarter. But by working with you, they can build their knowledge. Sometimes to go on and do the very thing you're doing, but sometimes just to get a sense of being aware of what's going on. The third one is return on interaction. What I mean by return on interaction is the ability to build a relationship of which someone else is proud. What would it take for me to be proud of being connected to you? Hopefully you're thinking, this guy would be a guy to know. He seems to know a few things. Then, you know, I'm going to assume you'd like to be potentially connected to me. But why would I connect to you? That's the question the investor is going to ask. So by building a relationship, having a process to follow, and I'll talk about that again in a moment, then you'll be able to see that they can build a relationship with you that they feel actually even, wow, I'm involved with that. I'm doing those things that he or she is doing. And one of those things is return on impact, another ROI, return on impact. An impact means what are you doing in society? What are you doing in your world? Like Ian, are you bringing old buildings to modern contemporary use? Are you like Louise, taking old, crusty, old holiday lets with crusty people and crusty homes and turning them into something new? You know, are you, what are you doing to make an impact in the world? Is it green? Is it providing certain access to tenants, you know, who've got special needs or medical needs or other psychological needs? What are you doing that makes me feel that working with you is going to make an impact on the world because I want to do that myself? And then and finally then, are they interested in the return on their investment? What's the actual amount you need to offer them for them to say yes to an engagement with you? And my experience is this. If you build elegantly five different ROIs or four ROIs, actually, the fifth one will cost you about 20% less than you would ordinarily pay. So think about that. The cost of your debt goes down by 20% by doing something you are already doing, but you're not showing and you're not sharing. In the same way as most people can dramatically increase their pension, which they overlook and undervalue, you can do the same thing. And I'm going to show you how you do that. One of the ways is to recognize that when you talk to private investors, everybody thinks differently. You think in a certain way. You know, we use wealth dynamics at Wealth Builders to work with all of our investors and all of our developers because we want to know who they are, how they think, how they process information, how they make decisions. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Wealth Dynamics, Google Wealth Dynamics and do a Wealth Dynamic assessment on yourself and you'll discover what I'm talking about. But imagine you're a developer and you're highly uh, in the creative space, which is called dynamo energy. Then everything you're going to do reflects that energy. 
you probably talk a lot. You probably talk quickly. You probably have big picture things in your mind. But if you're talking to an investor who's very steely, in other words, details, spreadsheet, analysis, data, you are not going to get along with them very well because you want the spreadsheet or you don't want to do a spreadsheet rather than they want to see one, vice versa. You know, I'm a creator. Um, my energy is very much up there. I've been approached by developers, and the first thing they want to do is get a spreadsheet out and show me. And I stop them and say, I'm not interested in the spreadsheet. Tell me the story of your business. You have to understand wealth dynamics. And when you do that and bring all four wealth dynamics, which is Dynamo, Blaze, which is people energy, Tempo energy, which is doingness and connectedness to, to opportunity, <clears throat> Steel, which is data, <clears throat> excuse me, if you bring all four energies into your document, which I'm now going to share with you, that brings this to life, you will be able to reach all four investors with one document. And I do that with the document framework I call the 10 pillars of trust. Remember what I said to you earlier on. The two things that you need to do is create awareness, create trust. This is what you do to create trust. Now, in the space of the time we've got today, I'm only going to talk about one set of documents. There are three stages of trust. Before the money, during the money, after the money. But like any relationship, the dating, the marriage, the relationship. Imagine it's just like that. What I'm going to do now is show you the dating document and just the dating document. I'm not going to go into any other document in this presentation. Now, what are the 10 pillars of trust? Well, each one represents a step in a process which is really just a story. You heard me ask, what's the story of your business? And a story in a business is quite simple. Anytime you think of a story you like, a movie you like, a book you like, Everything is driven by stories. It's a character who's a hero. By the way, who's the hero in the story? Clue. It isn't you. It's the investor. So the investor is the hero. The investor's got a problem with their cash, with their pension. They meet a guide. That's you. Who gives them a plan? That's this document. That solves the problem and then shows them what that outcome looks like. That's really all you're doing when you're crafting a story to win investors' minds. And I created this in 10 different areas. Very briefly, the first three are just about giving a frame to the story, logo mission story, means show me you're a business. Show me that you are serious. Show me that your intention, even if it isn't now, you're at the beginning of your journey, but your intention is to be a professional. When you're building your credibility, who's in your team? What's your track record? Get as many testimonials as you can from people who have got something good to say about you, even if it's just tenants if you don't have private investors yet. How many different ways can I touch a relationship with you? Touch points, I call that. Do I 
have a coffee with you at the beginning or a Zoom call at the beginning and a side visit, then what's next, what's next, what's next? Think about your contribution, that big, what's the big picture? Uh, what's the impact? Remember I talked about return on impact. We call that contribution. Number nine is what's the core offer? What do you want? What do you want? Do you want equity partners? Do you want loans? You know, what do you want? Be clear on what you want. And rather than build the story around what they want, tell them what you want and then show them that when they contact you, you will help them work out what it is that you're offering that solves their problem. So rather than come at it from the point of view, tell me what you want. I've already told you what they want. Once you've worked out what they want, you craft your message that gives a clear outcome on what you want. And usually the best way to start is to encourage people to start slow and small and to begin a relationship with you. Not as much as they can afford, but what's the least they would invest to begin to have a relationship with you. And then make sure that whatever they do when they contact you is consistent. You know, you look at your LinkedIn, your Facebook, whatever you've got out there, is it all consistent? You know, is it all professional? Does it all match up? Are the photographs good? You know, if you're in business with a new property company, does your LinkedIn profile, you're still working for BT? You know, get it clear and consistent about what you're saying about you in the contact point. Now, of course, if you're listening to this, you might not have picked up all of those, but I will make available um, all of the things I've referred to, and Kevin will make that link to you, so you better get anything that I've been talking about completely free of charge, without any obligation at all. What I'm just going to show now is just some samples. So I'm not going to be able to describe those samples, obviously, in a podcast, but these are just facsimiles of little case studies that you can see that we help people craft their message into a colorful, engaging way that reflects their logos, their colors, or if they don't have them, we help them get them so they can really do something they can be proud of. But they're simple because you're only dealing with the 10 points. You're not trying to get too complicated. And it's you can do this in a website, you can do this in a brochure, you can do this in a PowerPoint, so you can multi-purpose this as many times as you wish. And there are many different ones. And you might have seen in the one that I showed you earlier on of Ian, he's just used this particular example. Um, but there are so many different ones. And we've got 12 different samples just to help your imagination. And you can have all of those completely free of charge to stimulate your brain, to help you begin to think about crafting your own message. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you do that well, the flow of the chicken and the egg, the flow of is it the deal or is it the money, just works into a perfect figure of eight, which means infinity. As many deals as you can find, you can get funded. And if you want any of the free information that I have available, whether it's a book on SaaS, whether it's some videos to help you understand a bit more, um, We've written a guide called The Seven Reasons Why Every Property Professional Must Consider a SaaS, or at least should consider a SaaS. Uh, the, the pillars, templates that I've mentioned, uh, all of those things are available. A lot to take in, I know. But if you mention uh, Kevin Paneskis and you send an email to hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk, mention Kevin, 
then we'll send them all to you completely free of charge. So I hope that's been a useful trot around some of the basic principles, getting your mindset right, understanding it's all about working with people, working out that the biggest and most powerful source of funds that's out there is probably the pension funds, both yours for yourself and those of others. And then how to craft a message that makes you so compliant and compelling that people will be knocking on your door, ready to invest with you to help you get what you want from your property journey. Thanks for listening to me. I'm Kevin. I'm going to hand you over to the other Kevin. Fantastic. Well, thanks the other Kevin for that brilliant presentation on uh, using uh, SaaS pensions for investing in property and fascinating that they can people can also use their SaaS pension as a bank as well. Uh, so lots of different ways of, of using a SaaS pension to be uh, essentially turbocharging a pension that was previously fat, flatlined. So hopefully everybody found that useful. Um, please reach out to Kevin if you need any other information. So remember, just quote myself, but email hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk. And the phone number is uh, 01342871210 to be reaching out to Kevin yourself. So I'm going to end the podcast episode there. Um, I trust that was a good episode for you all. So here's to your service accommodation success. And remember, your future needs you. Thank you for listening to the Serviced Accommodation Property Podcast. You can also follow me on social media and YouTube by searching The Property Soldier. Also check out my website, www.propertysoldier.co.uk, where you can learn even more about property investing and serviced accommodation.